Good evening. It certainly is good to see all of you tonight. Uh, I appreciate the invitation to come and spend some time with you. Um, I actually haven't been to visit with you guys in, in a little while, several months, but I look forward to every uh, excuse I have to be with you. Sometimes you just have to be invited, and I definitely appreciate that. Uh, very fond of the congregation here and so many of its members. Uh, I was asked tonight to think with you about the verses we find in Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse number 16. And so I want us to read verses 16, 17, and 18 together, as this will be the springboard for our contemplation of the Word of God tonight. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse number 16. In Romans 12, verse 16, beginning... The Bible says, be of the same mind one toward another. Set not your mind on high things, but condescend to things that are lowly. Be not wise in your own conceits. Render to no man evil for evil. Take thought for things honorable in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, be at peace with all men. And the topic that I was given with those verses comes from verse 18. As much as lies in you, if it's possible, you be at peace with all men. The idea of peace is, is an interesting one in the world in which we live. If you go back some 2,000 years, Isaiah's Prince of Peace from Isaiah chapter 9 entered into this world. And he came into a world that had not known peace, the Bible says. And I'm going to tell you something 2,000 years later. We still don't know a whole lot about peace. Now, when Jesus came, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, beginning that he came to reconcile men back to God. And so he came to make peace between God and his offspring, between man and his maker. Jesus came so that men could know peace. But we know the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when we when we look around at our world today, we can see that is affirmed by our experience. Men live in open rebellion against God. And the Bible tells us that if we continue unrepentant in our sin, then we are, in fact, enemies of God. So men still don't know peace with the God of heaven. It's not just that Jesus came, though, to make peace with with men on behalf of his father, Jesus came to make peace between members of the human family. That is to say, he broke down the middle wall of partition. There was something that separated people who knew God from people who didn't. Those who were beneficiaries of God's special revelation were separated and distinct from those who didn't have his special revelation. The Jews from the Gentiles. When Jesus came into the world, he he removed that middle wall that separated men from men because he preached the gospel and opened the door to salvation to all men. And so men should have had a basis for being at peace with one another through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when we look at our world today, we see that men still don't know peace with one another. You think about the history of the human family, both ancient and recent. Isn't it fair to characterize our 
interrelationships with one another by the wars that we have fought over the course of time. It's not just a matter of intra-group conflict, and we have that. It's not just a matter of inter-group conflict, and we have that. It's interpersonal. Men can't even seem to get along with their neighbors or the people in their own households. We still don't know peace. And it's not just a matter of violence. Sometimes it's a matter of vitriolic speech that is illustrative of the hatred that we harbor in our hearts sometimes. I'm saying to you that 2,000 years ago, the Prince of Peace came into this world and he came with this pronouncement, Luke 2 and 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. That was 2,000 years ago and we still don't have it. Now, the reason we don't have peace in this world is because the world doesn't know God. I mean to say, if men knew the Prince of Peace, then there would be a basis for men to be right with God and to get along with one another. But when men reject the Prince of Peace and the gospel of peace, there is no foundation for us to have harmonious relations with each other. There is no relation. There is no basis for it. So we don't have peace because men don't know Jesus. That's the bottom line. We can understand that. We can accept that as people of faith. But I also want to suggest to you that one of the reasons that we don't have peace in our world, at least not the way we should, is because people in the world don't really know what peace is. Have you ever thought about that? You look at the way people interact with each other in the world and some people seem to be of the idea that the way you achieve peace is through the use of military might. You force a degree of quietude on a people. That is to say, they don't feel free to express themselves. They don't feel free to let their true thoughts be known because they fear the consequences. And some people call that peace. That's hegemony. That's utter conquest. That's the vanquishing of an enemy. But it's not peace. Some people think that you achieve peace by meddling in the affairs of other men. And uh, I don't mean this to be a political commentary, but you see that in our nation. We go halfway around the world and meddle in the affairs of other men. And we do that sometimes in the name of peace. Some people think that uh, we achieve peace by being cowardly and refusing to stand for justice and righteousness And by refusing to take a stand where God would have us to take a stand, we see an absence of conflict and we call that peace. But that's not what the Bible calls peace. When the Bible speaks about peace, it is talking truly about the absence of conflict, but it is is talking about a state of tranquility, a state of harmony, that is conducive to security and prosperity and happiness. 
people being on the same page with one another and with God so that there is no need for war, no need for conflict, but there are there is an environment conducive to our living a prosperous life under God's authority here on earth. That's what the Bible is talking about when it talks about peace. But you see, men don't know God. And men don't understand what he means when he talks about peace. Now, here's the thing. We're not surprised when sinful men do sinful things. You and I are not surprised that people who don't know God don't know how to treat their neighbors. You and I are not surprised when we turn on the news and we see people doing what Cain did to Abel so long ago in some new ways, but the same thing. Campaigns of genocide and so forth, attacking those who are weaker and taking advantage of those who are less fortunate, abusing children and abusing the elderly and so forth. We're not surprised by that because people who don't know God will do anything. But here's what I want us to think about tonight. When we think about this idea of of living peaceably with all men. I want us to realize, I want us to recognize that God has always expected his people, one, to understand what peace is and two, to live lives in pursuit of it. When I look at Psalm 34 and verse 14, the Bible says there, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. First Peter 3 and 11, he says much the same thing. Let him seek peace and pursue it. In Romans 14 and verse number 19, the Bible says, let us follow after things which make for peace. Hebrews 12 and verse number 14, follow after peace. With all men. There are other verses we could we could refer to, but I think that's sufficient for us to see that God expects his people not only to understand what peace is, but then to live their lives in pursuit of it. So then when we come to Romans chapter 12, I want us to recognize that in the context of overcoming evil with good. Paul says again. We ought to do everything in our power to live peaceably with all men. That's a high calling. I mean to say, don't you know that we live in a world that is increasingly becoming antagonistic to the God of the Bible and to those who follow Christ? Don't you realize that we have more people in our society today who would esteem us as enemies than we ever have in the past? Don't you realize that there are those who would who would because they hate our God, they would hate us as well. Yet by inspiration, Paul says that we ought to live peaceably with all men. That includes those who would disagree with us. That includes those who don't like us. Not even knowing us in particular. I noticed that in verse 18. Paul begins by saying, if it is possible. He says, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Now there I know that he recognizes that that it's not all on me 
That is to say, if I do as much as I can, that does not guarantee that I will have peaceable relations with my neighbor. But I also see that he's saying that if my neighbor is not willing to live peaceably with me, that does not alleviate my responsibility to do everything I can to be at peace with him. I love that. You know, we serve a God who expects us to do all that we can, but he doesn't expect any more than that. We serve a God who in Christ is willing to accept our best effort, but he's not willing to accept anything less than our best effort. As much as lies in you, if it's possible, you live peaceably with all men. As I contemplated that idea, I scoured many passages throughout the Bible to see what I could find regarding this idea of our having peaceable relations with our neighbors. But I'm not going to take you all over the Bible. I want to look at these three verses right here, the verses that were assigned to my hand. I think we find just about as much as we can handle right here in these verses. Look with me again, if you don't mind, beginning at verse number 16. The Bible says here, be of the same mind one toward another. And depending on your translation, uh, that idea could be somewhat obscured. What he's really saying here is we ought to endeavor to to be in harmony with one another. And, And that does go to this idea of peace. We ought to try to have a harmonious relationship conducive to security, conducive to prosperity, conducive to happiness with one another. He says we ought to be of the same mind toward one another. Listen, that requires some effort and work on our part. I have my own mind and and you have yours. But in order for us to live peaceably, we should make the effort to be of the same mind. He's talking about peace. Then he mentions several conditions of heart. That's what I want us to begin with here. He mentions several conditions of heart that are conducive to peaceful relationships. Again, in verse 16. Set your mind not on high things, but condescend to things that are lowly. Be not wise in your own conceits. He's talking here about humility. Did you know that if you desire to be at peace with other people, it is imperative that you have a humble heart. The Bible tells me that God resists the proud. But my experience shows me that he's not the only one. God does not like a haughty spirit, the Bible tells me. He does not like people to be high-minded. But my experience has shown me that no one likes proud people. No one likes people who are high-minded. No one enjoys keeping company with people who think they're better than everybody else. You know the problem with being high-minded as it pertains to our relationships with other people? The problem is that that high mindedness, friends, haughtiness leads to harshness. If we think we're better than other people, then we think we deserve something greater than other people. 
The reverse of that is, if we think we're better than other people, we think they deserve less than we deserve. So we're not minded to treat them the way we would want to be treated. Now, you know, in your experience, you don't appreciate that. And you know that other people don't appreciate it either. So if we want to have peaceable relationships with other people, friends, we can't go around thinking that that we're any better than anybody else. Listen to me. Christians are not better than anyone else. But we are better off. Than everybody else. You see the distinction? We are in a better position because we have a right relationship with God. But our right relationship with God is not reflective of our own merit. It's not because we have done something that is more deserving of grace and mercy than anybody else. Jesus died for the whole world. And we didn't deserve that any more than anybody else. So we're no better. Though we are better off. When we come to understand that we're no better than anybody else, then we can understand that God expects us to be merciful. He expects us to be kind and he expects us to be patient. He expects us to be temperate, not because the other person deserves it, but because he has been that way toward us. You see, if we wait until somebody deserves our kindness, we'll never extend it. But then if God waited until we deserved it, he would have never extended it. So it should be easy for us then when we when we look at these things through that prism, not to set our minds on high things, but to condescend, to bring ourselves down to a shared estate with those who are lowly. Some people look down on those who are less fortunate than they are. Some people look down their noses at folks who haven't accomplished whatever it is that they have accomplished in life. And whether they intend to or not, they mistreat people. See, you and I wouldn't do that because we want to be of the same mind with people. You and I wouldn't do that because we desire conditions of peace with those around us. So you and I will willingly condescend if necessary. The way that Christ condescended to keep company with men in the first century, we will bring ourselves down if necessary to keep company with those who are poor. We would rather spend time with those who are poor and godly than those who are rich and ungodly. There's no one beneath us. And certainly among those who are willing to name the name of Jesus Christ. We have to have humble spirits and humble minds. We are willing to to be a companion with all men. As many as are willing to be companion with us and our Lord. First Peter 2 He says we are to honor all men. Everybody is worthy of our respect 
And if we ever get so high minded that we don't see that, then the problem is with us and not those around us. Well, here's a second idea, a quality of heart and mind I see here in verse number 17. 